Camera's rolling. Yeah, we're good. Boom. Action. Camera. <laughs> Bringing it. I'm not sure that was a whip sound. Yeah. <laughs> we're going for the, the clicky thingy. I don't know what those are called. Okay, cool. Hi, everybody. We are the Finleys on Film. we back with you. Morning, Don. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing, doing this in the morning. Yes, sir. We are. We're, 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 we're like bright and chipper. It's a Saturday. Yeah. You don't want to know the date because it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. There's no, a podcast. No, you know what? Adam West just died. Wow. So I did just date it. Are we sure of that? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Adam West. Um, Scott, I thought he died years ago for context. Yeah, it's like actually, oh, Jesus, I know, about. I know, no, I know people who are gonna, who are like crying right Why? now. Why? Who? They just love uh, just some friends who are just uh, who have who are a little too obsessed with Batman as a concept. Okay. So yeah, Adam but, West always seemed like he had a good sense of humor about himself. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think he sort of had to. He had that William Shatner. <laughs> I think he, you have to at some point. You, you yeah. realize you are camp. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and he had that quality with William Shatner. Did I even, man, did I even tell you about this? Okay, here's a digression for you guys. Sure. Uh, this wonderful, um, if you ever get a chance, go look this up. This was a pilot for a television show that never got made. Okay. Called uh, Alexander the Great, mm-hmm. starring uh, William Shatner as yep. Alexander. Uh, as oiled and, ch- and and shirtless as he could usually be, I think this was like before Star Trek. It was somewhere like in that time period where I don't think Star. No, I think it was before Star Trek. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a role for him. So the Alexander the Great's a pilot uh, with, um, and his second in command is Adam West. So Adam West mm-hmm. and William Shatner on mm-hmm. one screen, just chewing the shit out of that scenery, just having at it. Uh, meanwhile, they're 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 finding you know Xerxes, the Persian emperor, played by Lee J. Cobb. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, oh, so not great, but wonderful at the same time. I don't share the gem. fondness you do for things that are not good. Yeah, I know, I know, but that's because you're not good. But see, I like I have fondness for you, Daniel. All right, it extends to you, Joey. Take it, baby. Feel <laughs> yeah. the love. The love is here. You fuck. Let's um, go. I. Films are about bonding for us, everybody. Actually, they really are. Yeah, they are for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, one of the films, you know, uh, a film. That I have no way to transition out of what we just did, eh. but who gives a fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, is there was a, a mythological film, um, the film itself, like the existence of the film, Ooh. and it, this was through your dad. It was for years and years. It was a big deal oh. that he wanted to get his hands on, if he yeah. ever could, yep. Yep. a Manchurian Candidate, the nineteen sixty two. The original, Manchurian the original Manchurian Candidate, yeah, Frank Sinatra, mm-hmm. Janet Lee. This is so funny. I, I can't really. When it was finally re-released, I had been, it had been built up so much in my mind yeah. mm-hmm. that, and I, and then and then it lived up to that expectation. It was different Did than it? what I expected, but yeah. it, but it lived up to the expectation that I had had before. Well, because it has this history. With one minor exception. We'll get into that. Well. Uh, it has this sort of history around it because it was it was made in 1962, mm-hmm. and um, it has sort of political intrigue um, in it, and we'll get more into that. Um, and it has the potential f- uh, for assassination in it as a plot, right? Um, and so then that's 1962, and in 1963, of course, JFK. JFK is shot in Dallas in November of that year. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, and tell me if I have the story wrong, Frank Sinatra, who um, stars in the film, had it pulled. 
Well, there, there's actually significant controversy about that, okay. whether or not that's actually true or whether or not the movie had simply run its its, its standard course and just for some reason got left off of the, the roles of, you know, like... Uh, you know, late, late night movies and things mm-hmm. like that. You know, it had it had its it had its normal run, and then it just sort of dropped off the radar. That's one school of thought, yeah. and the other school of thought is because Frank Sinatra was so in with the Kennedys, yeah, and so well, and so trying to be in with the Kennedys that he had you know he used his clout to pull the movie out of general circulation. Now, whether or not that's true is, yeah. you know, problematic uh, or not really problematic. It's pretty moot. Well. But it did yeah. disappear off of general circulation for yeah. years. It simply wasn't shown. Well, he had such a such a, a boner for his relationship with the Kennedys, or mm-hmm. all these sort of things. And and one of his ends was that Peter Lawford, the actor, um, who was who was sort of kind of member of the Rat Pack, part of the Rat Pack for some for some reason. Well, the basically, reason I think is, for this reason, yeah. yeah, that he had a connection. Yeah, he was married to one of the Kennedys. Yeah, to the Kennedys. And yeah. so when after um, Kennedy was assassinated in '63, the next Rat Pack movie. Robin and the Seven Hoods, mm-hmm. um, which is I I love that movie, <laughs> does not include Peter Lawford, and and in the Peter Lawford originally slaughtered Peter Lawford role is Bing Crosby, um, so he was just dead to Frank after the assassination. So so uh, it was Frank. really really important him. that that Frank Sinatra had this relationship. So yeah. I'm I'm apt to believe that he had something to do with shelving this film for some period of time. It just does seem like, it seems like a weird coincidence that it just, that a movie with that's this good yep. just disappeared. And it is a good movie. Man. It's a very good movie. It's, it's, it's unbelievable that anyone would not like this movie. Yeah. But people Except don't. Except for some dumb people. <laughs> some people don't. But, um, and we respect their crazy, crazy opinion. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, we don't. Your <laughs> I don't know I what can't. to say about it. I have no idea. I don't know. Basically, Joseph basically tried to show this to a couple of people recently. Yeah. And it just did not work. It didn't uh, work They didn't out. like it. But I get angry about these things. If people don't <laughs> like a, something that I think is obviously good, or mm-hmm. they like something that I think is obviously bad, to wit, I recently saw a portion of Interstellar, <laughs> which I thought was just a horrific piece of garbage. And some people think it's amazing. No, I don't know. It's not great movie making. I don't think. No. I don't. But I don't see horrific piece of garbage either. Now that being said, you didn't. You you admittedly you haven't watched the whole thing, so you didn't no. see the. You didn't see the kooky, cool twist ending thingy at the end. So maybe that might have redeemed some part of it for you. Hard to say. But I don't have a problem but it was, with the plot. I have a problem with the writing and the acting. That's pretty. That's a pretty terrible. hokey shit going on. Yeah. And some pretty unbelievable elements too. Yeah. This guy's a farmer and was an astronaut. Like, eh. so I don't know why. Sorry, I brought us down this road. But back to Manchurian Candidate, nineteen sixty-two. Manchurian Candidate. We have this film. So, so you want to talk about the, the basic premise of the film? Ooh, yeah, that ain't that a treat. Let's do it. Okay, so, so, so. we have a a, a troop in um, Korea. Yes, Korean during War, the Korean War, mm-hmm. who is essentially kidnapped. Right, they're Taken. led on a patrol. They're kidnapped deliberately. Yeah. Uh, and they're taken to some place in China where they are then brainwashed. And this yes. is this is when brainwashing as a concept was still very sort of like meta scientific and popular amongst people. We now mm-hmm. the, the, it's mostly disproven at this point. But uh, but so would so, you say then? Therefore, this is a science fiction film. No, I wouldn't say that necessarily. Although uh, some people. Uh, an argument might be made for that element. I don't think this is. Mm-hmm. So shut your ass, <laughs> Paul. You know, <laughs> this is about to become a murder. This is about to become a murder non mystery in this room right here. Anything that has any element that could conceivably be called science, Tom thinks is a science fiction. Uh, you suck a dog. That guy used a key. Mm. Science fiction. That's because Joe doesn't understand keys. 
He thinks they're magic. Anyways, enough of this. Okay, go ahead. Let's get on. Let's get on with the subject here. Yeah, buddy. come on. Go ahead. Concentrate. Focus. You right. dick. So I'm a science fiction film. Anyway, candidate. <laughs> they are on patrol and they're kidnapped and they're brainwashed by by the Chinese. Yeah, by the Chinese with the help of the Russians and everybody else who might have been a communist. Too. All the commies. All the damn commies. This is oh, this is this is definitely a Cold War movie. Okay, oh, yeah, right. for Huge sure. Cold. Now. So they're brainwashed uh, to the effect that one. Now we 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 don't know that. We know that at the beginning of the movie that they have been kidnapped, right? Um, and then, they've returned to the U.S. Like, returned to the U.S. And one of their members, because of his heroic deeds during this patrol, comes back and is awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. Now An this actor guy, by the name of Paul Harvey, an amazing <laughs> inside Harvey. joke, Lawrence, Lawrence Harvey. Harvey. Yeah. Lawrence Harvey, uh, Lawrence Harvey, uh, he is, um, yeah, so, so he's awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is a very big deal. And uh, it also happens, not, is, is, is coincidental, we're told, or, or seems to be, uh, that he is also the stepson of a, uh, of a powerful, of a rising star of a congressman. Right. And uh, and so he's the stepson of that gentleman. Uh, so uh, so of course the, that guy tries to cash in a little bit on on this you know getting the Congressional Medal of Honor on his part. Now um, the movie also has a wonderful Frank Sinatra in it. And then oh, the next element that sort of appears is that Frank Sinatra realizes or he's having these dreams that yeah. indicate that there's something not right about that p- patrol. Well, it's the same dream. He has this sort of uh, dream over and over again mm-hmm. where he's, he's sort of, um, he and the rest of his um, patrol unit um, are in a sort of garden club meeting. Yeah. With all of these sort of old white ladies um, going on and on about. Rhododendrons, I think it was. <laughs> okay. I think that actually was. Oh, God, I've seen this movie a lot. Uh, but th- so they're yeah so they're 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 having this conversation about that and as the scene progresses it starts to cut and you see elements that are very dissonant going it, it's one of it's one of like it's not subtle it, and mostly it's not subtle but yeah. it's really well done the way they do this it's it's a it's this uh, it's this hotel that's raining outside they're stuck listening him and the patrol are stuck listening to these girl these women these older ladies talk about rhododendrons and all that kind of stuff and as the scene progresses things shift. Mm-hmm. Like one of the old ladies is suddenly replaced by a Chinese guy in a military uniform. Right. Or and then and it and it and it continues in that in that sense until you see that like there there are parts of this this thing that are just it's very it's a it's kind of a really well done dreamlike dream sequence. Yeah. It's really magnificently done. Okay. Yeah. And then and, and you know, and then you see they're they're in an auditorium and they're all in their military uniforms mm-hmm. and then uh, and, and all like that. And so then that's part of the brainwashing. This is he's having a dream about their final proving after yeah, but the brainwashing. It could, it could has be occurred. at that point that he's just having this sort of dream. It's 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 sort of product of his own sort of psychosis or something like right, that. Right, which is what he thinks. Right. He thinks he's going out of his mind. So he he doesn't so he's terrified of going to sleep because this dream keeps coming back in. One of the most hilarious parts there is is watching Frank Sinatra and like a, a pile of books that he supposedly <laughs> reads in order to avoid going to sleep. And they're not all like, they're not all just like stained with martini coasters. Right. Like they're just <laughs> martini coasters, basically. Yeah. The uh, Tao of Cuckoo Kachu. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just, that just came well, out. I like it. All right. Okay. We're going to write that book, John. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, so anyway, so yeah. So he's just, uh, th- this is progressing. And so he's trying to figure out, you know, what what's going on with this thing. He figures he'd go visit 
uh, Private Shaw, the, no, Sergeant Shaw, Staff uh-huh. Sergeant Shaw. Uh, he was the officer. Oh, by the way, Sinatra was the officer on patrol. Shaw was the Staff Sergeant, the guy who got the Congressional Medal of Honor. Right. Okay? So he's going to go visit this guy and talk to him because Raymond Shaw is the nicest, the kindest, most gentle and warmest human being he's ever met in his life. Yeah. Which, of course, we know is not true. Well, we, we don't know that it's not true. Uh, everything point. we've seen at this point, like his interaction with his mother tells he, us that this is not what's going on. He doesn't on. seem like a great guy, but for uh, some reason Sinatra thinks he's sort of, amazing. Okay, right. Yeah, he's this wonderful paragon of a person. So he uh, goes to visit uh, <laughs> he goes to visit Shaw. Yeah. And uh, we are so we, 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 we slowly meet the larger cast of characters of what's going on in here. Right, including I think a sort of an, an awkward an, um, sort of device that they use in order to ex- sort of expose right what's happening here which is that uh, an african-american soldier is also having the same dreams sinatra is having mm-hmm. except that all of the old ladies in the guardian club are themselves african-american are black yeah right so they're remembering something right. they have a common remembrance somehow mm-hmm. right of the brainwashing session Right, and so uh, Sinatra gets in touch with Lawrence Harvey's character, Sergeant Shaw, yep. and re- and finds out about this other dream that this guy is having, and so therefore he realizes that there's there's an element of truth going on here. Something is not at all what it seemed like. So so part of the ten- so so there's tension there, but there's also tension going back to the fact that he is the stepson of this um, U.S. senator, I think, actually, and the U.S. senator is sort of aping. The, um, McCarthy. the McCarthy role, right? Yeah, He's yeah. naming, you know, 57, <laughs> eight, uh, 108 com- members of the Communist Party. It actually becomes a rolling joke throughout the throughout the movie. That he can't remember how many, <laughs> how many communists, communists are supposedly are. serving the U.S. government. Right, right, right. right. So, um, so He's a buffoon. He's a buffoon, but he's married to a very, very shrewd woman, Angela Lansbury, Angela Lansbury, who is Lawrence Harvey's mother. Yes. But actually, I, I understand they were not, she wasn't a whole lot older than he was. Oh, like three years older or something. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. But yeah. okay, she plays she plays the role pretty mm-hmm. well. Oh, yeah. She's magnificent. So, so there, oh. there's your tension, right? It's that Sinatra um, really wants to figure out what really happened that mm-hmm. night. Mm-hmm. Um, Lawrence Harvey doesn't really understand what's happened that night. Yeah. Um, and he's being used manipulated. As, manipulated as a tool of the communists for some sort of larger plot. Right. Which could include uh, up to assassination right. of someone. And in the background, we get like his unpleasant personality and his basic hatred yeah. of his mother and his stepfather, too. For yeah. That matter. Like you just you can't stand either of these two people. Yeah. So uh, so it progresses. And the only person he does care about is this young woman uh, who his mother ruined his relationship with. It's yeah. very, it's very Freudian. And Angela Lansbury just, she, she doesn't quite, she doesn't walk away with this movie. Yeah, it's close though. But if you were coming with the top 25 movie villains of all time, yeah. I think I would put her in. She's right up there with Barnes from uh, Platoon. Ah, absolutely. Yeah. Or is it Alice? It's Barnes, yeah. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's. I don't know the, about you. I mean, you can sort of um, uh, overrule me if you want, but I don't know that we <coughs> need to say more about the plot of this movie. And and you know, it's so it's so sort of complex and, and sort of tied together, knotted together mm-hmm. that that you don't want to overdo it anyway. But but there's the scenario. Yeah. There's the tension of this film. That's the scenario. And Sinatra is you know Sinatra's never a great actor. I can't think of anything he's been great in as an actor. I can think of one. Is here to eternity. I even there. 
Really? I seen what you did. I don't know if he's like great. I think maybe the role. That's is as great. good. That's as good as he's ever been as an actor. I think. Okay, fair enough. But there've been more enjoyable. But he's time. not, you know, amazing as uh, an actor. But it's it's just mm-hmm. such a great idea mm-hmm. and and so well executed by John Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer, the great director. Seven Days in May. Yep. Political thrillers were his specialty, and that's yeah. really. By the way, we should point out. I think that that's the. The gist of this episode right here is political thrillers. Yeah, we're doing a couple of films that are... Yeah, political thrillers. I like it. Or maybe paranoia. Paranoia, yeah. (laughs) American social paranoia by by way of political theory. Mm. Thriller, but um, I got to—I I, want to take a step back and point uh, and talk about this because there was such an element of, like I say, expectation for this movie when it was finally released in, in 1988. I think my dad was maybe the first re-released person. to the public, you mean. right? Re-released yeah. on VC, VHS. My dad jumped on it, yeah. like uh, would have like, paid hundred dollars like, for it. Yeah, like me at a barbecue or like a little rim <laughs> or something like, <laughs> like that. Uh, he just—he couldn't not get that damn movie fast enough. So, yeah. uh, so he did. And one of the things is he had seen this in the movie theater. Yeah. And it just, and he just, he fell in love with the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he saw it with a good friend of his, a guy uh, that I've known my whole life, uh-huh. Steve Labounty. Okay, uh, and uh, it's a great name. And there's a there's a scene in this movie that, according to uh, according to my dad and also Steve, this is the first time they saw karate. On a there's a there's a fight in this movie that utilizes yeah. karate very poorly, in my opinion, but okay. <laughs> utilizes karate in it. Yeah, and that this inspired Steve. To go become a karate instructor. Now, is he the guy that eventually got a scene in the street, the streets of San Francisco? That's where I'm going with this. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Yeah. He was uh, he was he he uh, got into kempo karate. Mm-hmm. Opened up eventually got a black belt. Opened up his own studio. Mm-hmm. Was teaching it and yeah. his uh, his karate studio is used in the uh, the movies um, uh, the the pilot movie of Streets of San Francisco uh-huh. where Robert Wagner he appears in there briefly. He gets apparently he gets thrown by one of his female students ah. and that's his only appearance in the role. But uh, but yeah but so yeah like it was just it, like I said there's this legendary status in you know like I said we do this for bonding that's one of the things that really movies do for us as people yeah um, and uh, okay um, and uh, this is this was a, this was a big one for me you know for my dad as well yeah so yeah and it's really is a fabulous movie I don't know what the hell those two people were thinking what two people oh yeah <laughs> who didn't like the movie yeah. Yeah, it's just it's like I hate things. chocolate. Like, so what it may not be just, maybe it's something you have to be in the mood for. I don't know. Nah. It's a good movie. I think it's 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 among the best of that type of movie. It's got, okay. Here's one thing I would say about it. This is a movie that pays to pay attention. Like you can miss oh, a yeah, lot of the beautiful sure. nuances going on in this movie if you're not paying attention. If you're not willing to invest. Yeah, yeah I can see how this would not be a movie to watch. Yeah, yeah, that's true of most movies, but this one more so than most because it's got more moving parts. Yeah, for sure. Well, I um, that brings us to our second film, if you're ready for it. Oh, I am ready for Freddy. So we're talking about 1975's Three Days of oh, the Condor, Condor, starring Robert Redford. Beautiful Robert Redford. And another beautiful person, Ms. Faye Dunaway. Ms. Faye Dunaway. At maybe her most beautiful for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, and a third beautiful elegant. person, Mr. Max von Sydow. Oh, uh, yeah. Max. Jeez, man. He, once we got done with... Bergman films, he yeah. was professionally old for the rest of his life. Yeah, well, but great. I love him in everything. I love him in, in Seventh uh, Seal. I love him in... Um, Conan the Barbarian. Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> he was in Conan. He had, a, he had a bit part in Conan the Barbarian. Why would anyone watch Conan the Barbarian? Because, it's, because it was rocking and excellent. Okay, but he's also great in Rock with a WK. (laughs) Rock. He was in Hannah and Her Sisters. He was great. I think he's still alive. He's amazing. He might be. Yeah, he might be still alive and maybe not happy about that. But yeah, Yeah. he's. um, 
great actor, great uh, good film. I mean, it's it's a fabulous film. The premise of which yeah. is Robert Redford works for the CIA, a particular branch of the CIA mm-hmm. in New York City. Um, he's sort of like a beautiful nerd, right? This yeah, is sort of like when beauty contestants say, "I grew up a nerd." You're like, "Shut up!" Yeah, right. you're not a nerd. Yeah, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, yeah, he's a beautiful man who apparently reads everything and has read everything, and so and that comes into play. It's part of his job with the yeah. CIA is that they they just they this group of people work at an agency, a wing of the CIA, where they just read everything that's ever printed yeah. around the world, looking for leads of any kind, ideas, of an intelligence codes, yeah. whether codes are being passed through literature, whether literature can open up ideas. The for presence of operations by other services and things like that. It's kind of an interesting idea, although, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things is the background has those ridiculous sort of like reel-to-reel, like Christmas light computers. <laughs> <laughs> and you realize, well, if they actually had real computers, this this mm. place wouldn't exist. You just throw the, yeah. the text into a yeah. computer file and have it, have it work uh, it out. There's also this other thing, too, which is if the CIA actually had that, it would be in some wretched cubicle. It wouldn't be in a brown, a beautiful uh, brownstone yeah. in New York. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyways. But so so the idea here, the, 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 the premise here is that um, Robert Redford um, works in this place. and, and it, oh, I'm going to point place. out one thing. He is established immediately as a rebel. Yeah, right. immediately. That's a that's an that's an impressive part of his character that needs to be out there. Well, one of the first things that happens is he's supposed to enter and exit through a certain door, and he knows a shortcut to the back of the building, right. which he's not supposed to take, but he takes anyway because he knows better. Yeah, and he's late, and he doesn't care. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, you know. You and your your rules, man. <laughs> fuck off, man. So, uh, Robert- I'm the condo man. <laughs> I ain't gonna fuck it with your rules, brother. Who are you right now? I don't know. I'm a condo. Flap, flap, flap. So uh, Robert Redford, <laughs> flap flap flap. Okay. He's it's turned to get lunch one day. He's in this sort of office. I can't. I they rotate who gets lunch. That's the part it's of the his, yeah. Right. It's so his day. He takes the the back route to the restaurant because to get lunch. he's such a nerd. He knows it's going to rain. He knows exactly how much it's going to rain. So what we're what we're showing is that somebody is marking off as everyone entered the office that's supposed to be there. Somebody's watching the office from mm-hmm. a car or something like that. And so all it's a classic. big seventies car that like like it. A 19-year-old today would not believe those cars ever existed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tank-like, for sure. God damn it. Anyways. So so he leaves, and um, but the, but whoever's watching the building doesn't realize he has left because he's he, left from the, the back. The little back of, entrance thing, yeah. Entrance so uh, they come in, and they just massacre everyone. Yeah. It's a great sort of shooting scene. Yeah, look, the, the, yeah, the hit, uh, a group of, uh, what, three hitmen walk in. Mm-hmm. One of them is Max von Sydow, mm-hmm. and they just wipe everybody else out, wipe everybody out there. Now, Why? We don't know at this point. Okay. We do not know at this point. We are later. That becomes the central crux of what's going on here. Yeah. Why the massacre? Why is he subsequently being hunted? Because he is also because he he got missed on the hit. He's got to be the, dealt the, with. He's got to be dealt with. You okay. Know? The right. Hit is out for him as well. So it's classic. He comes back. He sees what's happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're trying to figure out if, that they're missing somebody. That is the assassins. Right. And the rest of the film is really him trying to figure out why his department was hit, who did it. Right. He's trying. It's a mystery, right? He's trying to save his own life, basically, and and it becomes increasingly apparent that it's somewhere within like his own intelligence community. Yeah. This is that's the, where the hit originates from. So he um, he's he's trying to make his way out of town, and he ducks into a store, mm-hmm. and this is where we first see. And we're talking about oh, uh, Faye Dunaway. Mm-hmm. Hello, yep. hello, Faye. And 
Condor. You were going to say something. I was going to say something, but but at this point we 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 are we are we are balls deep into the paranoia that that is essential in this movie. Well, I don't know that's paranoia. He's, they've killed everyone in his office. <laughs> the, the, the the terror, right? Okay, the so paranoia when you don't. I guess if you don't know why it's happening, yeah. maybe that element of it. Yeah, I don't know, but it's so he needs he needs to you know be get undercover and, yeah. and find a he, find a safe house. He does the kind. classic sort of like walk up to somebody and I, I have a gun at your at your rib cage. Don't mm-hmm. say anything. Lead me to the car type of thing. And he does yeah. this. He leads mm-hmm. Faye Dunaway to her, her jeep. Which is parked conveniently out front of a Manhattan store. Of course. And they get in, and, and she he forces her to take um, him back to her apartment in Brooklyn. Right. A basement apartment in a brownstone in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And he's going to hide out and try to figure out what's happening at that point. And of course, she believes she's just been abducted by a, a crazy rapist person. Right. Right. Yeah. Which. Is which, is, which, see, which, from her perspective, is pretty much exactly what this looks like. Well, and I should also say, I don't know if we're skipping ahead here, it's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because <laughs> at some point, and this is something we've talked about before, it's... it's oh, the 70s. Well, Play Misty for me, Arab. Come back. How about any time period leading up to <laughs> now, pretty much, there's this sort of trope. We know about the, the, the man who has to sort of be on the run and, and, and sort of unravel the mystery and everything else. Yeah. And But he oftentimes... Inevitably kidnaps a woman. He kidnaps a woman. Yeah. Um, she will eventually see that he is innocent. Right. She'll she'll have twenty four. She'll have like thirty six minute Stockholm syndrome and be on his side almost immediately. But then he and I'm pulling up air quotes here. The the man will inevitably he's not make love to the woman. Yeah. Who doesn't know that he's innocent and he's got a gun on her. Right. He rapes her. Yeah. It's a movie where he rapes her. Yeah, absolutely. Robert Redford is a rapist. Yes, That's what I'm saying. He certainly is. But it's weird. I mean, I'm laughing, but it's... oh, to be raped by Robert Redford. Me, not a woman. But what I'm saying is it's sort of like it was this acceptable part of storytelling for a long time. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things I oftentimes lament, you know, when I look at something like um, All in the Family, for instance, and I go, they could never make that today because of this crazy PC culture. But it's one of those ones where I totally, I'm like, I'm kind of glad that they've stopped making that movie because it's a weird part. I mean, that part of yeah, storytelling. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird part of storytelling yeah. that the protagonist rapes a woman mm-hmm. but calls it something else and then we just move on. Right. And she and she loves him for it. Yes, of course. Of course. That's, That's crazy. Kind of that. Yeah. That's just nuts. <laughs> I don't know. It's social commentary for it, me, I guess. But it, I, I mean, I do like the movie. Mm-hmm. I should say that. I like the movie a lot. Oh, but yeah. it's one of those weird sort of it's like you're glancing away for a moment it's, to it's, like it. It's flawed in a, it's flawed in a, in a number of ways. One of the yeah. things that I always find really challenging is uh, don't get me wrong. I love Robert Radford, okay, but he is yeah. not he's not a great actor to me. He just isn't. He just seems like a likable person. He's very likable. He's he is magnetic as fuck on a screen. Yeah. But like just to compare him to the person he's most associated with, which is Paul Newman, right? On the screen sense, um, like Paul Newman was. Uh, Luke. He was Cool Hand Luke. Yeah. You know, he disappears into those roles. He sure. was Fast Eddie Felson. Right. Robert Redford is Robert Redford in a new movie. I, I suppose so. I mean, I, the most you could say about him is, is he light or is he dark? He's darker as Butch, as the Sundance Kid and much lighter in The Sting. Right. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, essentially. He's yeah. just a likable person, though. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and, and a true... Yeah, sort of the end of the... Sort of, sort of like... A product of his particular time and place, yeah. for sure. Yeah, you know, get me wrong. Again, I love some some of Robert Redford movies are some of my favorite movies. Oh yeah, out there. But uh, but not not the greatest actor. Faye Dunaway, of course, is 
Ah, she's everything Faye Dunaway is. She I, was great. Oh, okay. Like, she's she's one of the greatest actresses of all time. Is she a great actress? Do you think? Oh, I think so. I think she is. Yeah. I mean, watching that character there, the and sort one of year later, she's a in weird work. She's a network of manic lunatic woman, mommy dearest. Right. I mean, she's yeah. Just you're making a good point. Maybe yeah. she's one of the great actresses of all time. She's total nut job now. I hear she's sort of like a. No, she, and she's <laughs> now that she's older, she's kind of like Marlena Dietrich, like <laughs> saving her urine in mason jars. I think. I mean, I actually I'm, I'm probably the, making that up, but I think the like Joni Mitchell that Clubhouse. Let's go. Joni Mitchell Clubhouse. Oh, just women have sort of gotten a little nuttier in their old age. But Joni Mitchell's not nutty. I have to defend Joni Mitchell here. She had a a, a stroke. Well, there you go. <laughs> what are you talking about? What a joke. Makes her easier to catch. <laughs> you know that Stephen Hawking got really nutty. <laughs> I tell you, man. <laughs> what are you talking oh, about? Pity me, I can't move at all. And okay. actually, I don't know that we need to say any more about this film. I mean, that's the premise. I don't want to ruin any of it. Yeah, I mean, uh, there are some great performances now by like John Houseman, who. who oh. Mm-hmm. Who was a producer in Hollywood and, and came to acting much later? I think he did uh, the Paper Chase a couple of years before this. This might be his second film. Mm-hmm. He's fantastic in this film as, yeah. as a sort of CIA chief. Another uh, Cliff, Cliff Roberts. Uh, Roberts, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Who has a terrible mustache in this movie, but otherwise, <laughs> hey, very. It looks very like good. he should be out hunting Donkey Kong. I am awesome here. Oh, <laughs> is that a Mario Brothers reference? Yeah, it's a Mario. I you have a weird Mario. references today, man. You Condor, ka, 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 ka. You know, Tom, I got it. Let me just compliment you by saying that I normally hate you, but I'm really enjoying you today. Yeah, I hate you, though. Don't worry, buddy. I got, I'm picking it up. Pick up. I'm holding up my end of the bargain. Good job, buddy. You cock knocker. Yeah, well, it's a, okay, so of the two. I, I will say this, though, but, it, but, but, but just to talk about... The, What's really interesting about Three Days of the Condor is the relevance of the uh, sort of political paranoia thing that we were talking about, which is the theme of this particular episode. Yeah. In today's world, like it's like the projection that they're talking about in here of that paranoia is coming true in a sense mm-hmm. in our modern era. You know, the hunt for the hunt, the hunt for oil. Let's l- yeah. leave it at that. I don't want to ruin anything about the movie. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't want to spoil that part of it. But sure. that that whole hunt That's for very oil. Slick and of you. What people are. Gonna <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> uh, that wasn't natural. Uh, gas. Anyways, uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Your natural gas. He must be tapped out by now. Mm, car, car, the condor <laughs> is here. Okay, so back to your thing. It's relevant for today. Yeah, there's a certain relevance in that in that paranoia going on today, and, yeah. it, and I like how every generation, like every decade, has its own sort of paranoia thing. Like you know, people are fed up with the White House right now, right. and have been for the last decade. So the, the most important sort of like well, it's important, but it's the biggest blockbuster movies with a political angle on, uh, this last decade have included the White House being blown up. And is any wonder we have Trump as a president? I mean, it's just. Like I'm saying, every decade has its particular paranoia, and it always shows. It always plays out in our movies. I think that's okay. fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cold War, boom, Manchurian Candidate, um, Watergate, oil crisis, right in the middle. Three days of the Condor. Okay, yeah, eh, sucker. I was hoping for a better point after all that, but what do you mean sure? You, you mean you wouldn't settle for an Things amazing happen point in the world, and then we. I the, about the, the best point in this entire podcast is the one between uh, Dickhead oh, Hare's no. ears over here. Oh, Tommy, you stumbled. Yeah, you are a fail. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, of the two... The failure of sperm. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that Manchurian Candidate is um, a much better film than Three Days of the Condor. Mm-hmm. I might enjoy Three Days of the Condor more, though. 
Yeah. Like, it's I, just I kinda, a fun, fun movie. It is. Yeah. I, it doesn't. It doesn't stumble over. It, it doesn't stumble over its own importance, which is a really, yeah. which is a tricky thing to do for these kinds of films. Mm-hmm. You know, which are you know, uh, you know, um, but yeah, no, I would go with you. I mean, technically, mm-hmm. uh, Manchurian Candidate is a far superior movie. Yeah, for sure. But uh, this one, directed by Sidney Lumet, as I recall. Sidney Lumet, I believe so, isn't it? Or Sidney? Yeah, I think it's Sidney Lumet as the director of Three Days of the Condor. Okay. Yeah. Um, is 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 very characteristically Sidney Lumet. It's very it's it's, sure it's, it's not Sidney Pollack. No, I'm not. <laughs> it's a Sydney. Okay. I know that part. It's a Sydney. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those guys. But but it's but it's a very workman like use of the camera and everything like that, as opposed to a more artsy approach. Oh, okay. In Manchurian Candidate. Well, goddammit, people, see these films. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Please see these films. And while you're doing that, yep. if you might join us yeah, please. <laughs> on our website, we are uh, finleysonfilm.com. Come check us out there. Yeah. Uh, please join us on Patreon. We could always use a little bit of the old shekels. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's money. Um, if you'd like to donate, please do. Uh, if not, uh, that's fine too. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, join us there anyways. And also, really importantly, please get us on iTunes and give us a rating and uh, give and us a, a comment. Let us know what you think. Yeah, that helps us out a lot. Even if you hate us. Especially if you hate Joe, yeah. Yeah, I mean, don't... Oh, God, could you guys pick sides, please? Tell us who you like better. Oh, that's too easy for him, Tom. Oh, yeah, I know. Sure. <laughs> for is. obvious reasons, am I right? I like the guy who breathes heavy into the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I think that's it. All right, thanks Catch so much. Catch you all later. Adioso.